Do I get to say penis on this episode? You can say whatever you want. Has that ever stopped you before, Sean? Yeah. <laughs> right? We did Singing in the Rain. I think you mentioned penis, didn't you? Well, it was important there. Hi, right, you guys ready? Three, two. Oh, see, I did the one, the two. I can't do this. Jesus Christ. Wait a minute. Three. I got to do the German three. That's what I'm going to do. Okay. And three, two, one. Yippee-ki-yay, mother... Welcome to Yippie Kaye Mother Podcast Classic. I'm Ralph Quattrucci. I am Sean Paul Murphy. I'm Deborah Murphy. I am John Quattrucci. I'm Chris Coker. And I'm impressed, Ralph. You pulled off the opening on the first try. That was amazing. Kind of. But really? that's, uh, I appreciate I really? the uh, shout out. It's yeah. called editing, John. Shh. Yeah, okay. Oh, good point. <laughs> uh, well, here we go. We got another fabulous, I don't want to say film school show because... Um, this is a pretty good one, I thought. Uh, Chris brought the film to the table, one he hadn't seen before. And I don't know how, how many of us had seen this one. I, I had not. But uh, before we get into that show, let's talk a little bit about what you watched this week. So we'll start with John. Well, I'd like to start with what I read this week. I read a fascinating book by our own Sean Paul Murphy, and uh, after 500, it really segued nicely from 500 Days of Summer because it's about lost love, a uh, little bit about stalking, a lot about uh, religion. <laughs> um, so uh, I really enjoyed it. It was uh, it was a, it was a quick read. I read it on the beach. So Sean, thank you for uh, letting me read that. I wrote a review on Amazon, just so you know. So oh, thank couple, you. You're welcome. Couple things I was watching. I'm going to talk about two of them. I'll be really quick, brief. Uh, I saw Prey which is playing on Hulu. It's a Predator sequel. Um, I wanted to watch it because the review said it was better than the original movie. I don't know what those people were smoking, but it was not better than the original. It was good. I liked it better than all those other Predator movies that have come out. But, but I don't know, a 100-pound young woman beating up the Predator, I didn't necessarily buy it. I like the vibe uh, back in the um, ancient times with bow and arrows and all that kind of stuff. Uh, that was kind of cool, but it, it wasn't. It's it kind wasn't, of a prequel, more than a Yeah, sequel. it is, but <laughs> it is a prequel. In fact, the gun from um, Predator 2 makes an appearance in this movie. It was okay. It wasn't. I still think the first one is great. Love it. Not even close. The other thing I watched um, was... I, I just want to say, I think yeah. part of that problem is is all the other sequels were so bad, kind of, that I think they kind of yeah. forget how good that first one was, because the first one was yeah. fantastic. yeah. You could be, yeah. I think you're right. And then, to the grass. Although I didn't it, mind, I didn't hate the second one with no, Danny I think Glover. It was okay, that one was okay. Yeah. yeah, I thought it was better than this one. I thought this one, this one was uh, for me the third one out of out of those two, uh, the first, the second, and this one. The yeah, second we, thing I I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to disagree with you, John. Okay, I think this is the best Predator movie since the first one. I think it's a worthy successor. I think it gets what the predators are and how they hunt and why they would actually want a more even fight between themselves and this young woman. And even the ending, if you watch the movie, you have to watch through the credits, not to the end of the credits, but through the animated credits. And there's a shot at the end that everybody is misinterpreting and misunderstanding about what it means. And it's actually how they pay off the gun 
in Predator 2. And I just, I found it so satisfying. I watched it twice while I was on vacation this past week. And, uh, I, I just, I cannot wait to see more from this director because he's done 10 Cloverfield Lane and Prey. And they're just these little tight thrillers and they're so good. They're so good. Chris, did you see Prey? Uh, I haven't. I, I queued it up in the Hulu, uh, app. But um, I have not sat down and watched it yet. But I had a friend of mine. Um, he also said he really enjoyed it. Well, like I said, I read the reviews and they were like, it's better than the first one. It wasn't. Uh, I liked it. I, I mean, I'm, I, I'm not over the moon like Drew is. The other one I saw that I really want to recommend is The Old Man starring Jeff Bridges. I don't mm-hmm. know if any of you have seen it. Uh, it's on FX. It is great. Uh, he plays a retired, well, not a retired, a uh, off-the-grid spy and John Lithgow is also in it. And it's really nice to see um, age-appropriate behavior. Um, he gets back. He's forced back into it for all kinds of reasons. I won't spoil anything because I really want you to watch it. But the amazing thing about it is he gets in these fights. And he wins the fights. But it's definitely an old guy doing these fights. He's grunting and groaning and he's having a tough time getting up. It's, it's just really well done. It's, it's not action packed. There are action scenes in it, but it's really a slow burn. But watching, uh, two actors of that age, Lithgow and Jeff Bridges is, is really worth the watch. Um, what's it called again? Uh, the old man. It's really good, and, and uh, it's based on a series of books that I didn't even know existed, and it's doing so well that they're def- they're going to make a sequel. It's a so series, do- right? It's a series. Yeah, it's a seven. I think it's seven. It might be seven or eight episodes, but it's it's. I mean, I love Jeff Bridges in just about anything, and he's really it's real character stuff, which I I really really enjoyed. So if you get a chance, that's the one. I I, re- I recommend both, but that's the one I would watch. Sorry, that okay. took a little long. Uh, Drew, what do you got? Well, I was also on vacation this week, and um, I watched a lot of movies in between kayaking and things, and I ended up doing a, a an accidental 80s referencing trilogy because I watched Prey, and I loved it. I watched uh, Ghostbusters Afterlife, which um, was really fun. It's basically the same thing. It was entertaining, and I mean, it's really hard not to like anything on some level that Paul Rudd is in, and the kids are great. And I also watched Day Shift on uh, Netflix, which was the new vampire movie, which is fun and it's kind of like an 80s, 90s movie. And I watched a lot of other stuff like The Black Phone, which is probably two drafts away from being a good movie and stuff like that. (laughs) But I also did what John did and I read a book. And the book I read is called Blood, Sweat, and Chrome, The Wild and True Story of Mad Max Fury Road by Kyle Buchanan. It's an oral history it's even more insane than you would imagine that that movie ever got made. I mean, really, it's just ridiculous from, from the beginning of it being in George Miller's head to actually shooting it and nobody dying and never mind it being a hit and six Oscars and all that other stuff. And so that was a really, a really fun read. So, um, and then for the last thing, I actually rewatched Blade because a friend of ours hadn't seen it. And that movie is still a lot of fun. Yeah. Like it's hard one. not yeah, to talk like Blade and and uh, and Chris Christopherson uh, after you see the movie because there's so much fun in that silliness. So it was a, a good vacation and a good uh, a good bunch of watching. But I would recommend Prey over everything else and the Mad Max book, obviously, obviously, obviously. All right, Doesn't Sean we have and a Debbie. new movie coming out. George Miller, 
6,000 years. Yeah, 3,000 years of longing with Tilda Swinton and Idris Elba about a genie. Um, I have not actually read any reviews yet. It looks bizarre, and obviously I'll see it, but um, it's his version of a small movie in between Mad Max movies because now he's shooting Furiosa. So George Miller doing a small movie. I don't know what that looks like. But uh, it is it currently out? Is it currently I out? I think it comes out the 31st. I saw the trailer so, for it when I saw it Elvis, I think. Yeah. And yeah, it, it looks doesn't big look like crazy. I Dream of Genie. Yeah. It doesn't look like a small movie. It does not look like I Dream of Genie either. No, no. It looks it looks interesting. It's I don't very know. Very trippy. Who's the genie? Yep. Uh, Idris Elba <laughs> with pointed ears. Oh really? If Tilda's in there, you know it's going to be a little wacky because she's great. She's great. Uh, she's awesome. Yeah. Uh, Sean and Debbie. Well, we were out in the ocean with. Not Children. much entertainment except our own. I will say that we were entertainment VIPs on the ship we were on because we went up on stage on the opening show and humiliated ourselves. Yes. Making fools of oneself gets you free bingo sheets <laughs> and a bingo daughter, you know, a dot thing. Okay. Dot and literally champagne, a champagne and wine. And chocolate with uh, strawberries. What did you have to do to... I had oh. to shake the, my junk in, in my trunk. To get the golf balls out of a device around his stomach, and it had to... I had to get the extended belt, too. Please <laughs> tell then, me they filmed that. Please tell me they filmed I that. I think they did. People oh. seem to remember it the entire they, crew. They really thought we were foolish and laughed and laughed at us. We were clowns. And Debbie, Debbie just had to do a seductive dance. Oh, yeah. She showed him how she used to make $14 the hard way. No, it was just really It's both what's right and wrong with the cruise, what you're talking about right, right now. Yeah, but I will Not say Not to mention Debbie, the buffets. Yeah. That's how you get the truffle shuffle going is you load up at the buffets. Truffle shuffle. Exactly. That's how I get that junk in the trunk. There you go. But that caught up with me by watching the um, – mean the um, – was it the mean, most hated man on the internet? Oh, I saw yeah. that. Oh, that, my God. that guy is a dick. Yeah, <laughs> he oh, is. Wow. He is like a, a really immoral bastard. Right. But that woman. Uh, I knew she'd love the mother. I loved. Oh, her. She was great. Uh, yeah, she's awesome. So smart, yeah. and you know she should be hired by the FBI. I so love that she was a party crasher back in the seventies. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's so great. <laughs> Yeah, so, but we also watched something else. Now, this was, to me, a very com. Have anyone, you guys seen The Nice Guys? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Great movie. To me, it was a very frustrating movie. It reminded me when I was a judge for a film festival where you get movies and you'd say, wow, really good characters, good dialogue, stupid plot, the plot doesn't work. Or you get films where it's a really good plot, but you don't care about the characters. To me, I thought that the characters were great in this movie, and there was some great dialogue and all, but the plot, to me, just didn't make any sense. That You know, you talked about um, Black Phone being two drafts away from being a really good film. This was about three drafts, but, you know, it was Shane Black, you know, and he directed himself. But there were so many, it really did a good job. It's about a sleazy private detective played by Ryan Gosling, and um, what's his name? Um, Russell, Russell Crowe. <clears throat> plays like a tough guy who could basically people hire to beat up people. And they start to try to look for a missing porn star in the 70s. And I thought they had a really good 70s vibe throughout the film. And their chemistry is great. 
Oh, yeah, yeah, their chemistry yeah. was great. Yeah. And it sort of sets up for a sequel because they're going to go into partners. And I would love to see a sequel because I think any sequel would probably be better than the original. But I love the actors. I love the characters. You know, just the plot just didn't make any sense to me. It was like, well, Sean, I would guess if you asked, if you told Shane Black, I don't understand that part of the story because it does get really confusing. He would probably just say, "Oh yeah, that's my tribute to the Big Sleep" or something. Yeah, exactly. That movie doesn't all come together, and it's an absolute stone classic film. So, The Nice Guys is definitely going for that vibe. Well, I, I thought it, I thought it had a great vibe and a great tone. It's well, so he fun. did the same thing in Kiss, Kiss, Bang, Bang. Another fun one. Yep. Robert Downey Jr. and Val haven't Kilmer. Seen yet. Oh, oh, it's so you, good. You Val Kilmer is unbelievable. Yeah. 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 That's a good one. All right. Uh, Chris. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll be quick. Uh, everybody says that. Yeah, I know. Then it never What's happened. the rush? <laughs> exactly. So I, um, I started season two of Reservation Dogs and I'm, I'm about three episodes in and I'm really enjoying it. Um, I actually checked out the first episode of Sandman on Netflix. Um, I'm really enjoying it. I had uh, listened to uh, Audible did like a audio dramatization of it, which was actually really good. Um, I've read some of the comics and things like that. So it looks like it's it's faithful, but at the same time, it looks great. Um, but what I really want to talk about is last night, I was able to literally um, fulfill a dream of mine. Uh, that came, that I missed out on in 1984. And I've missed out on it multiple times since. I finally got to see David Lynch's Dune on the big screen. Nice. Yes. I had, I had, uh, no, it was actually at the AFI. Okay. So I checked all the way down to the AFI and, um, it was about me and I uh, took my wife along and uh, she enjoyed it actually. Uh, she, she, I've tried to show it to her before, but she always falls asleep. But that being said, uh, was so it a special uh, cut, Chris? Was it just the same? No, it is just the exact same, the regular theatrical cut of it. That's the um, one you want. Yeah. And I, but I have just literally, uh, it's come up like two or three times where I've had, I've seen it. It's playing, but something came up and I've never been able to see it on the big screen. I actually watched it. I have a, uh, an outdoor movie screen that's, uh, 10, 10 feet across on the diagonal nice. and, um, a great projector put my Blu-ray in, looked fantastic, but it is amazing when it is on a real big screen. Yeah. It wasn't in their biggest theater it was in their second theater. Um, the amount of detail that you can see in a film like that and, and, and since I've seen it so many times, I could literally focus on the details, the costumes and the set design, the production design by um, Anthony Masters is bonkers great. I don't, you know, the, the story, yeah, don't get me wrong. It literally has three prologues, right? There are three uh, info dumps right at the beginning of the film. Um, by voiceover. And, and then there's the voiceover that some people have an issue with. Um my thing is that's literally lifted right out of the book. So I, I'm tend to be more forgiving. Um, but obviously, you know, it, it, uh, Dino De Laurentiis took it and cut a bunch of stuff out of it. Uh, but that being said, just seeing was it on the director's screen, cut. No, no. Lynch has really, he, he was so upset by what happened with Dune and, and De Laurentiis taking it away from him and cutting it all up. Um, that he, um, I mean, he worked with De Laurentiis again. De Laurentiis actually produced Blue Velvet. Um, but the deal they had on Blue Velvet was 
Um, he said, you can make anything you want, David, but it has to be under two hours, or it can't be more than two hours. So I think that thing clocks in at right at 100. It's minutes. exactly, I believe. Uh, yeah, it's right at two hours. Anyway, the point being is that um, he doesn't like talking about it. He never talks about it. I was kind of hoping, like, fingers crossed, that with the Denis Villeneuve version that's come out, and there being so much, you know, interest in Dune as a general rule, um, because of that, that maybe somebody would give him a few million bucks to go put the, cause originally I had heard that his, you know, his essential print was about three hours long. Yeah. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, the movie itself that as it ran was two hours and 15 minutes or so. And I'm thinking with an extra 45 minutes, it would have just been really, cause what happens is the front half of the movie, Feels pretty good, and it's the second half that's just like rushed, yep. rushed. You, know, you feel like, hey, here are the Fremen. Oh, we're at the big battle at the right. end, you know. And it's just but he's like, come out and said he was so angry about it, and it was yeah. so such an awful experience. He does not want to ever revisit it again. Yeah, he, he said, said that, that several times. It's yeah. his Ambersons. Yeah, yeah he exactly. Like about it or anything. Yeah. He avo- he actively avoids yeah. questions about it. Yeah, I went to a screening of Lost Highway in um, mm. L.A. at LACMA in the 90s. And after the movie, David Lynch was there, and he was interviewed by Elvis Mitchell, the critic from the New York Times. And Elvis Mitchell did that thing that a lot of interviewers do, which is let's start with each movie and go in order. And so, of course, pretty soon you get to Dune, and David Lynch looked very uncomfortable and said, I really I really don't want to talk about that. And Elvis Mitchell kept pushing him and he kept saying, I really, it's very uncomfortable. I don't want to talk about that to the point where the audience started yelling, move on, move on <laughs> because the guy was like, he was in obvious agony. And I would yeah. imagine mm-hmm. it's probably not that less intense for him all these years later. So sure. I'm so and glad you, you can, got to see uh, that on the big screen. That must've been so fun. You can see Drew at that thing in on a movie strange uh, podcast we did with yes. Sean about lost highway. So, that's right. IFC uh, did a, a, an we'll episode. We'll put that in the link. It. We'll we'll put link that below. Okay. So sure, I'll link it. I'm Chris, famous. any more about that? Or are you? Uh, no, just that it's literally now the only movie I can really think of from my childhood that I've never seen on the big screen is the uh, also produced by Dino De Laurentiis, the Mike Hodges 1984 1980s Flash Gordon. That's nice. The, those are a couple of those ones that I remember as a kid, like begging my parents to take me and they just didn't that would be trippy that one Mm. so all right i saw a small film on prime called 13 lives directed by ron howard which is about the thai cave rescue you know Mm -hmm. 13 people get stuck in a cave that flooded and it's about the british cave drivers that were brought in to help with the rescue and just like the the movie Apollo 13, we all kind of know what happened, but it's still a very intense, very suspenseful film. This is when they had to take them out one at a time. Is that yeah? Is that how they do the with the divers? Yeah. yeah well, with the divers, five yeah. hour five hour dive in, five hour <laughs> dive out. Wow! Uh, through harrowing stuff, uh, Viggo Mortensen and um, Colin Farrell played the two main guys. I'm not Lou Diamond Phillips. Lou Diamond Phillips was in it. Lou Diamond was not in this one. It's a different stuck. He was buried in another cave somewhere else, (laughs) in another (laughs) part of the world. Right. Uh, There's holes everywhere on this planet. They they did the the diving training. They took all the training. They did all their own diving. Oh, really? Colin Farrell won't dive anymore. He had so many panic attacks under there. Um, It's an amazing film, and if you haven't seen it, you should take a look because what what is it on? Prime. 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 All right. 
And I think it's free on, you know, if you have a Prime membership, which mine just came in today. I just get billed from my Prime membership. Mud own. (laughs) That, that, that thing happens once a year. It's a big one. (laughs) So, um, yes, it's a good film. In two days for free. I'm surprised it didn't get to the theaters. That's something I would probably It would have been, I think it would have been a good one in the theaters. It's same with Prime. It's like Apollo 13. You're, you're with them the whole way. Okay. I got a question for you, brothers Quattrucci, right away. Okay. Uh, the phrase marron. What is marron. that? What does that mean in Italian? Uh, I don't know what. I don't know what the translation is, but it means oh, like, oh, oh my god, yeah. oh my god. What are you talking about marron. marron. Hey. But no. it must be like a maroon. Like Aren't a, you saying Madonna? Like, basically, like a nice way to say Jesus or something. No, marron. It's like uh, ove. It's like ove. You know, ove. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not ove. Oi. 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 Okay, Drew, you and your Chinese stuff, we're doing the Jewish stuff. Something seems wrong here. Calm down. What's from my region of Italy, or my family's from, they'd say allora a lot. That's sort of like, like well, or, you know, like when there's a pause or you want to make an emphasis, you may say allora. Yeah. I've never, what's part of Italy? Is that the northern? Where is that? Where is it? My family was from Naples. Oh, ours is not far away. Yeah. I thought that was problem. called Napoli. Well, Napoli. in old Napoli, that's no. all right. Let's get back on track. That's enough. Uh, Marone, let's get okay. back Marone. on track. All right. Can, can we can we address can we address one thing? Yeah, because sure. we, we do this every episode, and people keep dying. Oh um, God, who died now? Well, Wolfgang Peterson, the director, oh, yeah. died. Yeah. Oh um, man, yeah. he's the one who killed Artax the horse in the Neverending Story. So a little part of me is like, finally, we got some revenge because that you know shaped my childhood horribly. Uh, Anne Hayes died horribly. Yeah. She was a uh, very interesting. She, I mean, you know, she didn't just die. She. <laughs> Yeah. That was awful. The whole yeah. thing was yeah. awful. And then actually, I just saw Leon Vitali, Stanley Kubrick's uh, longtime collaborator, uh, a partner, friend, actor, died. And uh, he was behind the scenes and in front of the camera in a lot of Kubrick movies. And my favorite role that he did is he was the guy in the red robe in Eyes Wide Shut that he was, uh, was in charge of the whole thing. I've never seen Eyes Wide Shut. It's to... something. Hey, you should I saw it with my dad. Ralph, you should pick that. When it's I should game. because... It's one I've I wanted to see. I just haven't oh. haven't done it. Sean, are you frozen? Looks like. Yeah, that's all right. We can continue. A few moments later. I was just going to say one of the crazy things about Dune, right? Uh, from '84. I don't know. We're, we're or are we still on a pause? Oh, they're back. Never yeah. mind. Now, we'll at the end. Last I heard, we were going to be watching Eyes Wide Shut. No, I said oh, I've never that's seen. That's movie it. Ralph's never seen, so he. You know, I'm out. very curious what I would think of that movie, seeing it a second time. Agreed. It so, came so close after Kubrick's death that effect, you know, probably affected my impression of it. I don't know whether I'd like it more or less. You know, the, the whole Tom Cruise. It was much. It was a pretty big star kind of star vehicle with him and Kidman. Nicole Kidman, right? Yeah, yeah. It's supposed when to be they're married. And they're right. gonna have sex. Right. It's supposed to be good. I don't. I Chris, what were you gonna say about Dune? That it was good. I heard oh, it was great. No, I, one of the things that I was, I've always looked at is that Dune uses this really unusual, and it's the the guy's a master. But he, he's he's long since passed. As he's a, a Mexican filmmaker, special effect thing. Where what they would do is they would put a model 
of like a huge airfield with thousands of soldiers and giant spaceships. And then literally 125 yards, they would have a little cutout. And 125 yards away, they would have a scale of like the staircase of them coming down the front of the palace or out of a spaceship or whatever. And so this model, they line it up perfectly, right? So the model is like two feet in front of the camera. Oh, yeah, like a matte painting almost, right? Yeah, but it is, they do it so well. There are times, I mean, and I was looking for it and I was staring at it and looking for it. And it's like, I mean, I could, because I was looking for it, I could see like the little, the changes, but, and of course, sometimes you'll notice that absolutely no one is moving on the, on the frames, but it was, uh, it was one of those things that gives you that, it gave a scope. And then, but weren't some of the other effects in there kind of cheesy and like the, some of the other effects were really, the post production effects were really bad. And I think what happened was, is that Lynch even said that he started to lose interest because he, he could see which way the wind was going as far as being taken away. Uh, but yeah, some of the effects in there, when you think like Return of the Jedi came out a year earlier than that right. or a year and a half earlier, and then you're looking at those, you're like, those look terrible. Yeah. I think they cut their budget too, I thought. Yeah. I thought that's what uh, I remember. Reading. Yeah, I don't know. I don't yeah. know about uh, It was still super expensive. And it was a yeah. big problem. So, but all, all right. Things- well, let's go in the Wayback Machine and talk yeah. about the film that uh, Chris brought to the table. John yeah. and I, and I think Sean has a little. Dutch angle in the camera for a little homage. I got my Dutch angle going. To the cinematographer and the director. So, Chris, what'd you bring? Um, I brought, uh, Carol Reed's 1947 film, Odd Man Out, which, uh, basically takes place in, uh, an unnamed city in Northern Ireland. I thought Uh, it takes place in Belfast, doesn't it? Uh, probably, but it oh. doesn't specifically name Belfast as like, I don't believe. And there's some organization, organization that they never name. They right. don't name the yeah. organization, but they, well, yeah. Yeah. They don't name the IRA, obviously. Um, but what's, uh, the reason, what, what chose, what led me to choose this film is I am a huge fan of the third man. Mm-hmm. It is a classic. Uh, if you haven't seen it, uh, do yourself a favor, go check out the third man. Uh, so this is another one of his, the films that Carol Reed did. He also did Oliver, probably the other really famous movie that he did. First one I Oscar for Oliver. Yeah. Really? Yep. With well, my mother. Go. My mother took me to that one. Dalton Movie Theater. Yep. And uh, yeah, so well, the, you, you're you're ready to go now, Ralph. You got to see the Third Man now. Um, I I'll, I saw the Third Man. Oh, you did. I watched it after I watched this one, and we'll talk oh, about cool. that. Why I did that. So. But you've never seen the Third Man. Never seen it. Oh wow. Okay. So anyway, Odd Man Out. That you could stand there and paint him? You only fixed him up so that when you get him to the hospital, you'll be proud of what you've done. You're drunk. Listen, if he dies, the police to do it in there. And what can we do with him if he does? What can we tell the police? Stop arguing. You've done what you wanted to do. Now let me. I will not allow him to sit there and die in that chair. You talk about his life. Aren't you telling me that you're going to hand him over to the Yes, to the police. Yeah. When he's fit, they'll pass him on to the police. Maybe. And the police will put him up for trial. You expect me to hide him? I tell you, he should stay here. Look at him, Taylor. It won't take him much longer. Have you, have you ever heard tell of Father Tom? Come on. No, leave him. Don't take him away until I've Father Tom. Listen, if he the old priest is in And what can we do with him if he does? What can we tell Where is he? Stop arguing. You've done what you wanted to do. Now let me. I will not allow him to sit there and die in that chair. You need to talk about his life. Aren't you telling me that you're going to hand him over to the police? Tell me, Father. Like he used to tell us. And the police will put him up for trial. You expect me to hide him? I kill you. He should stay here. Louder, Father. Speak louder. I can't hear you. Let him rest. He needs it. Can't you see? 
You know, it, it deals with the friction of, of Northern Ireland and the IRA and things. But as the opening crawl will tell you that it's really not about the politics. It's trying to focus on the way that this conflict interacts with people's lives and so on and so forth. Um, but being a huge fan of the third man, I'd always heard about Odd Man Out, but I just never caught up with it. Um, and when I saw that it was on HBO Max, I was like, Boom, choice made. Um, so I sat down and I watched it. And, um, you know, it's one of those films where, you know, I was so pumped up for it because I love the third man so much. I wasn't, I'm not going to go so far as to say I was disappointed, but I was a little disappointed. Um, I thought it was a bit slow. Um, and I'm a person who likes longer films. I like classic films. I understand their pacing, but it felt like it dragged on a little bit um, for me. But at the same time, James Mason is uh, fantastic in this film. He's great. I think it's a really great uh, setup. Um, and visually, like especially when they were shooting in the actual city, not on the sets, which was most of it was sets, but there's occasionally you would see them shooting in the actual city. Like there's a great sequence where two or three of these guys that pull off, a, I won't call it a botched robbery because they got away with the money, but... James Mason gets wounded and, and left behind. And uh, so what happens is, you know, some of those scenes where they're running through like the alleys and things, so it's obviously shot at night, shot in the actual city, just gorgeous. You know, just very, very Carol Reed. I mean, yes, that, those very, scenes were screened. Yeah. And uh, but I just thought it was great. And it's it's really about, like I said, it's about a guy who's getting out of prison, who obviously hasn't given up on the. He's, he's been uh, out of prison. He's not getting out. He's been out. Yeah. So he's out of prison and he's been hiding out and he's like physically kind of worn out. And there's a lot of questions about him. So these other, they go on a job, which by the way, seemed to be like the easiest bank robbery I've ever seen. Very polite. Too. Just walk, very polite. You just walk in, they walk through a door and they say, give us all the money. And they do. But on the way out, there's uh, an altercation. He gets wounded and kills a security guard. Um, and in the getaway, he gets he gets left on the street, um, to put it mildly. And so the rest of the movie is basically about the police looking for him, his compatriots looking for him, and kind of just the, for lack of a better term, the emotion and the pressures that are going on during the whole uh, Northern Ireland resistance situation, you know? The troubles. Yes, that's what they call them, right? The Troubles, the Troubles in Northern Ireland, which is funny, too, because, you know, Northern Ireland is mostly Protestant. It's like three quarters Protestant. And um, yeah, so, so the Protestants are like, we don't want the English to go anywhere. It's just the and, you know, and the, so there's a lot of like, but obviously, you know, the Ireland and the Catholics, they want Ireland to be one, one united island. Um, anyway, so I really liked it. I thought it was really good. Um, I thought there's just great performances. You know, all the way through some of his, uh, some of the other folks that are in the, um, like the getaway car part of his gang and everything. I thought they were great. Um, I really liked the, the old lady who dives yeah. those guys out. I thought she was fantastic. Anyway, I'm going to stop. What did you guys think? Who, who wants to jump in? I'll, I'll, jump, in. I'll jump in. Go ahead. Unless you want to, John. I'm thinking of number one to 10. What is it, Sean? Three. Okay, no, I'll go first. Um, so 
Uh, I, I never saw this movie. I love the third man. I think the third man is a much better film than this. Mm-hmm. But but this film, especially in the initial chase when they're going, like you talked about, through the alleys and stuff, it looked just like the third man. Even the sound, you know, uh, of the hitting the pavement and stuff and the shadows and the angles. I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I like the tension of it. Um, you know, is he going to make it? Is he not going to make it? I also like the fact that everybody he interacted with it wasn't so cut and dry how they were going to handle it. Uh, a lot of people didn't want to support him, but they also didn't want to just send him to the police. So there was all these internal conversations going, which I really like, except for the one woman who turned in her, I, I was related to the guy, I think, right? The old woman. I thought that was pretty funny. And I love the fact Dan O'Harley was in the car and he's the old man from Robocop. And also William Hartnell was the bartender who's the first Doctor Who. So I was like, oh, look at the cast that we've got going here. So I, wait, wait, I, hang on, hang on. Who was Dan O'Hurley in that movie? I didn't uh, recognize he him. He was uh, one of the guys in the uh, getaway car. He was oh, one wow. of the three guys that got killed. Um, so oh, that was pretty that. cool. Yeah. And um, I, I enjoyed it. And the, the ending caught me by surprise a little bit, the way it ended. Mm-hmm. Um the way, uh, and, and again, the whole movie is about, is he going to get away, uh, on a boat at the end and a priest gets involved and they're all, tra- and, and a lot of sacrifices are made to try to save the guy. I, I, I found it interesting. I agree with you. It was a little slow. I mean, the third man is just, you know, that's what I was comparing it to. And frankly, if you don't have Orson Welles, you're already at a disadvantage. And, you know, the whole, the half of that movie is you, you don't even see Orson Welles. You just talk about him and the reveal is a big deal. So that didn't really happen with this. I thought James Mason, you know, as I read more about this, how brilliant his performance was. And I thought he was good, but I mean, he was delirious for most of the movie. And Robert Newton's the one who plays the artist. And for those who don't know, he played in Treasure Island. He was Long John Silver. Um, it was a weird, that character was weird to me. It was just like out of left field where this character came from, which, uh, a lot of these characters were like that, but I, I did European enjoy movies. What was that? European movies. Yeah, exactly. Was he, take a little was, further leap. Yeah. Was he supposed to be Italian? I, 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 you know, I'm not sure because he did have kind of a funny accent going on there. Actually, the guy I really like Mason, the, 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 the performance I liked the best was the one guy that had the birds. Who was going to turn him in and was, I really liked him in this role and uh, I'm pleasantly surprised by it. So for someone who had never seen this movie, I was pleasantly surprised uh, and I I enjoyed it. Again, not as much as a third man, but I did enjoy it. So good choice, Chris. Thanks. Sean, go ahead. Well, I have never seen this movie either. I've heard of it and heard it's a film noir and I kind of guess it is, but. It's not as quite as dark. It's interesting looking at it as a screenwriter because the protagonist is incredibly passive. Right. You know, he's like a football being handed around, you know. Uh, but, I mean, there's a lot going on. As someone said, talking about the read at the beginning, it's not about the troubles. It's about how it affects people. And Mason, and it's funny, you know, I think – you know, Mason has one of the most distinctive voices in cinema. I mean, it's a fantastic voice. And to hear that he's doing, you know, you got to get used to him doing the Irish accent. Yeah, yeah. He's really good at it. Yeah. But every time it's like, wow, that's James Mason <laughs> doing in that di- Irish accent. And I'm, that's at the disadvantage because he's so well-known and his voice is so distinctive. You know, but, um, you know, 
it's it's an it's an interesting film. I will say I enjoyed it. I it's kind of oddly structured because you think the woman, you know, I forgot her name, is what was it, Faye? Kathleen. Um yeah, the, the woman Kathy, I thought it was Kathleen, Kathy, right? Is that um she you'd think she's just a girl, but she paid plays such a pivotal part. Now, I guess we could spoil the film. <laughs> you know, she's in love with him. She's disappointed that the men left him and didn't get him. And everybody tries to reason with her, including her grandmother, which is a colorful, eccentric role. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and, and they're all part of the organization, which is, you know, the IRA. And, you know, and she just, she's in love with him and she wants to go down with him. And she, she, you know, when he dies, essentially what she does, she eventually finds him. And unlike the organization, she's got plans. She wants to get him on a boat, get him out of there. And, you know, that's her making the plan, not the organization. And she has a gun. And, you know, that's Chekhov's gun. If you <laughs> see it in the first act, you got to fire it in the, in the third. And so she goes out. Everyone is advising her not to do it. The police, like the police isn't, you can tell it's a British film because the police aren't monsters. It's like, and they even respond, well, for that kind of guy, he's not bad. Yeah, I'd say the worst person in the piece was this one character's cousin or something. The old woman who turns the um, yeah. the two guys in, one of them's a relative. She's definitely the, the worst person, I think, in the piece. But meanwhile, back to the woman you know, the priest tells her not to do it. Her grandmother tells her not to do it. Everyone tells her, but she takes the gun and she goes out. And she has some reasonable conversations with people. But when she runs across um, James Mason, you know, he's essentially dying. But now that he's dying, she sees the police coming in. Is he already dead at that moment? No. I can't remember. No. But he's obviously not going to live. Well, well, I think her think, or I think part of it was if he did live, they were going to hang him anyway. So yeah. he was, so she he was dead no matter what. That's what she was thinking. She, she essentially commits suicide by cop. Right. Yeah. yeah right. Body exactly. right. Yeah. You know, and, you know, it's her decision. That would not have happened. <clears throat> you know, they would have been perfectly happy just to take him and not kill her. You know, uh, the police are portrayed. And you got to say one thing. This must have been a very difficult film. For the English, because they didn't like the IRA. And it's a British film that doesn't demonize them. You know, so, you know, it's a, um, it was probably a pretty daring film. Except every character has a drink in their hand the whole movie. They're all. (laughs) Well, they are Irish. Irish Well, okay. So so there you go. I mean, that's, there's a, there's a reason for stories. I got it, but. (laughs) Well, James Mason, what can I say? James Mason, he plays the same role, I think. All I need is a chop. You know what I mean? He, he's, the a weak male. he's a weak male. And through this movie, and I hate to say it, it was just, I couldn't stand it that he was just such a weak male, the whole the whole movie. Well, he, he was tortured. Like out of it. He wasn't he, ready for the job. He didn't want to well, do the job. He had PTSD, His wasn't too. I mean, he had PTSD. You could tell yeah. the way he was reacting. Well, he stuff. got dizzy. That's why he yeah, got messed he up. Well, he right well, also don't having a change. job. Cha- then don't do the job. You He's know? having a change of heart, too. I think the character goes through a very good arc towards redemption of who he is 
And he obviously didn't want to kill anyone. And right. Obviously, and his big concern was, did I kill him? And he never gets the answer till like three quarters into it. He finally finds out that he actually yeah. He's the asked. That's the first thing he like right. ask. It isn't like, can you get me out of here? It's like, right. did I kill that man? Right. Yeah, and it yeah. makes you wonder. You know, like you look at these films, uh, the IRA, and you know that's what it's cloaked as. But you you say, what the heck? Don't you have, like people get so caught up in uh you know protests and you know the, the last election and all this stuff going on i'm always amazed at why people wrap their whole lives around a politic you know a politician or politics why why waste your time in your life get you know they're well, patriots yeah well what does that? If it wasn't for life? people like well, the I mean, IRA, we wouldn't be an independent. I don't think the IRA you? looks at it that way. I mean, they look at it. It was their independence that was being taken away from them. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, I would say in my British. own family, my great grandfather, who was a fire chief in Pennsylvania at a town, um, I believe I heard he was an IRA supporter and helped send guns and all to Irish. But my grandfather was, you know, his son was was anti-violence it was not ira and pro ira at all you know and my kin they changed their name from murphy to murfin to avoid all that you know they moved her family was irish they moved to england and there was so much prejudice against the irish they changed their name i haven't seen it but uh kenneth brownow's belfast film i think breaks down exactly kind of what was going on in those neighborhoods Neighbor, neighbors were turning against neighbors. Right. I mean, it was just, and this is, this is early IRA too, right? This is post World War II, right? This film? Yeah. It takes yeah, place actually, around the same time as, uh, The Third Man, doesn't it? Actually, very close yeah. to that. Yeah. 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 So that's pretty early in the, you know. Well, you gotta remember, by that time, the Irish had already won their independence for Southern Ireland, mm-hmm. but because Northern Ireland, it was predominantly English and Protestant. That was not included. And that's what pissed off a lot of people with like what Michael Collins, the Irish leader, that he allowed that compromise. It's like Britain was like, okay, you have your independence, but you can't have Northern Ireland. And some people thought that was a horrible sellout. And other people looked at it more pragmatically. And um, so... You know, the Irish was always, the, the people in Ireland were always kind of helping out behind the scenes, the IRA, you know, but not enough to go to war with Britain. About it. So, Debbie, you're, you're you comment know, the Irish about, helped the Germans during World War II, too. A lot of the Irish. Irish did. Your comment yeah, about James Mason, right? You brought up James Mason, Debbie. Yeah. Um, I heard this was a tour de force for James Mason. This, this, this movie changed his whole career for some reason. And well, this, I think, gave him the international Really? I mean, I didn't see, like, he, he's hardly in the film, and he hardly does anything. I mean, he just sits around. The biggest acting he did is the the whale he did in the bar when he wakes up and his suds have all those people's pictures in him. Which was very cool. Well, it's an interesting effect for very the time. Good. Yeah, I like it looked that like, visual. Yeah. You know, I was going to say something. Yeah, it looked like pea suds, <laughs> but it was beer suds, so. so. So this would get back to the the question about whether or not uh, Jimmy or um, James. He prefers James Mason, right? Um, well, <laughs> this gets back to the question about what we when we talked about you know uh, Bad Day at Black Rock. You know, I look at James Mason's performance as great because it isn't like 
it is a lot of it. It's the way he stands there. Do you know what I mean? It's like, you know, it's, I don't, it's the way that he reacts to things. I, I don't know. I thought he was terrific in this. Well, film. again, to me, it's underacting. He's really not doing anything. And if that's acting, okay, you know, that's yeah, what Spencer that's Tracy did in that film. Is, he barely moved. Yeah. But I guess my point is if that's what the role is calling for, you know, it's not like, I don't know. I, I felt like he was, uh, I, I really liked his performance in this film. It was really sad. Oh, I, I, listen, don't misunderstand me. I liked it too. I just didn't think it was like this powerhouse performance. I didn't see it that way. I liked him. And, and he was, he was someone that you actually had sympathy for throughout mm-hmm. the movie. No, I didn't which, have any know. sympathy for that character at all. I mean, he just was a, he was like a, you know, a person who killed an innocent bystander. Her but family's he, from Wales. But he didn't do and, it intentionally, uh, Debbie. I mean, he did it because the guy jumped him and they were rolling around with a gun. And then he felt guilty about it the rest of the movie. I mean, it wasn't like he killed him right? in cold blood. Yeah, it's an interesting well, uh, performance he, because when he's taking a gun, I mean, it, that's going to happen. I mean, well, but their big, their point was in fact, David, a bank. I, 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 I get that, but they're, they're, I mean, they, you know, it's not like they were looking to shoot anybody. They wanted to get in and out. That was the whole point. The was bottom line was, Debbie's right. He was not ready for the job. No, that's true because he, so, he hesitated on the steps right. because His he was having some kind it. of dizzy spell. Right. Um, so go ahead, Drew. You have anything? Well, I'm a little disturbed that people think the snitch in the movie is a worse person than the murderer in the movie. Um, <laughs> that's a little, that's a little disturbing. But That's what I mean. I, on his side. Well, the snitch betrayed her family. Well, you don't want me to talk about how little a family connection can mean. That's a different <laughs> uh, therapy episode. But um, <laughs> uh, I also had never seen this movie. Uh, I, of course, have seen and really just love uh, The Third Man. I have the original Criterion DVD from a jillion years ago. And me too. It's uh, yeah. really just, you know, a really special movie. And uh, it is one of my favorite moments, as you guys said before, of, you know, paying off, uh, revealing something that we've been talking about the whole movie, and it actually is worth the wait. <clears throat> and then, of course, more beyond that is also excellent. So I'm curious to hear what Ralph had to say about that movie later. First. Also, I, I, I realized you guys were talking about Dutch angles, and um, without Dutch angles, we would not have had Battlefield Earth. So I think it's important to recognize the legacy of movies like Citizen Kane and The Third Man continue to pay off uh, generationally for Hollywood. So you thanks, just use that Hollywood. movie in the same sentence as The Third Man. Oh yep. my God! That's well, how if we it makes do you it. feel any better. Battlefield Earth. I saw that in the theater. Um, and, oh no! And did not think it was good. But I'm glad I saw it in the theater. As well as I also saw Jonathan Demme's Beloved in the theater. Um, so I don't go to movies with my aunt and uncle anymore because those two are so <laughs> horrific. Here's the thing. There's a lot of movies about the Troubles, even movies like this that aren't explicitly about the Troubles. And I, I get that because it's a commercial consideration as much as anything else. A lot of movies do that. Like you know, Iron Man has um, uh, generic terrorists. But, you know, they're just, it's, we were in the war on terror, so those were the bad guys. But nobody, nobody says it's, uh, it's this person from this organization or this country. Uh, Top Gun has made two movies where the, um, the villains are completely unidentified. But I don't know, they seem like the Russians in the first one and the Iranians in the new one. And so you don't, you don't have those conversations. And that doesn't bother me. The reason it especially doesn't bother me is, you don't realize it at first, but the movies, this movie, Odd Man Out, is, is not a thriller. 
you don't realize that maybe even until the end. I mean, it is very slow, which, um, I felt that it was slow, but it didn't bother me. I didn't feel like I'm bored. I want to turn this off or anything, but, um, you know, it, it, it's, it is sad because, you know, this guy gets out of prison. I don't know that we get a lot of detail on what he went to prison for. And an awful lot of people went to prison for things that they should have gone to prison for. And an awful lot of people got railroaded into prison. So we don't know what his story was, but uh, they say, we're going to go rob the mill. I guess that's on payday or something. Mm-hmm. And he ends up murdering someone. And, you know, I, I, I have never robbed a bank, but I would imagine in the real world, most bank robbers don't want to shoot their way out. I thought the movie Heat really captured how much they don't want that to happen, but they're ready for that to happen and how horrifying that is. So I, I knew nothing about the story. I knew nothing about where it was going. And at the end, it's like, oh, this was, this was actually a romance the whole time. I didn't really. Yeah, that's what I really mean. It really, that it's really it. about that relationship. I never got that. I didn't get it while I was watching it till the end. Well, that's, no, she yeah, loved him, saying, but he yeah. didn't love her. Not like that. At the beginning, they were clear about that. He, he wasn't in love with her. Like she was in love with him. Enough well, to I mean, kill herself. Sean, yeah. Sean, you just read his book about unrequited love. You know how powerful that that can be. Um, Absolutely. And fortunately, Sean did not end up being dead, which thrills me. Well, um, yeah, but it got close a couple of times, right, Sean? Yeah. yeah. But you I have think to read the book to find out. It is an excellent the book. The Promise by Sean Paul Murphy. Uh, we available on Amazon. Review. We should I'll put, put a link you know, below. That's There's just a, how pitiful Sean Paul Murphy can be. That's, he's not pitiful, Debbie. He's vulnerable. Ah, There's a lot true. of really good films about the Troubles that I like a lot more than this movie. The Informer, like, did you um, see that one? I haven't seen that one, but like uh, Jim Sheridan's movies, like uh, In the Name of the Father and The Boxer. Yeah. Uh, Ken Loach's The Wind That Shakes the Barley about Ireland in the 20s with Killian Murphy is just, it's unbelievable. But the movie that this really reminded me of, and it's like, if you if you liked this movie and you thought it was going to be a thriller and it wasn't, but you want to see this movie as a thriller, there's a movie from 2014 called 71. And it's set in 1971, and it's about a British soldier who gets separated from his unit in Belfast. I heard of that. And all he wants to do is get out of it. And, you know, you're talking about a, a British, uh, you're talking about an occupying force soldier. So how do you feel about that? Except he's just a kid. So how do you feel about him as a person? And then he doesn't, it's not just that he encounters people that, um, you know, want to kill him. It's like, it's like, uh, it's like this movie as well. He runs into people who have different reactions to him. And there are some people he'd really wish they would leave him in the shadows and other people who will, you know, let him help him and dress his wound and stuff like that. So 71 is, is a really, I mean, it's really intense, a really great thriller, which is kind of what I thought this movie was going to be. And it wasn't, it wasn't to me, it wasn't slow because it's a classic film and those are sometimes paced more slowly compared to what we're used to. It was, it was slow because it turns out surprise. It's not really a thriller. And I think that there are ways that the movie could have done more that would also have been interesting politically about the story that it's telling, but it's also not that kind of movie either. Right. So I, I don't, I don't get upset at movies for not being, uh, you know, what they aren't or what I think they should be, especially when this is, I mean, the troubles is, you know, from it goes back into the 1600s. So there's so many stories to tell and so many stories that have been told. And the fact that it had a remotely happy ending in the nineties is amazing too. But this is just a snapshot of a time and it's more about the people as people. Now, do you find those people that interesting? Uh, not the central people, not as interesting as the priest, as um, the painter, as shell, the bird man, 
as those two women who take him in and help him. Yeah. Uh, you know, I found those, those sort of uh, episodic characters uh, more interesting, but I'm glad that I saw it, Chris. It was a good choice. Cause it's one of those classics I just had never seen. Another movie that I remember seeing back in those days uh, was Ryan's daughter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is that, yeah which uh, was a good movie about the yeah, troubles too. That more had uh, human, you know, a romance. Who was, that? was that Robert Mitchell? Yeah, Robert Mitchell. Directed by David Lean. Officer was. You know, it was a David Lean picture. Mm-hmm. It did not do well. You know, it was it was like his first lop, I think. You know, and well, um, I don't know if it was a flop, but underperformed. It's a very interesting film. I've seen it a couple times. Ralph, that I was my it. first date with a man. Really? What was he? Was uh, what? Man. Wow. What's oh, what? What? Bill Connor. Oh, of course. Your first date was Bill Connor. Sexy time. Connor. They're frozen right after that. Unbelievable. Man. <laughs> wow. That, that movie was, was well, a first date. Nice, Ralph. I- well, uh, <laughs> on that note, uh, <laughs> let's Ralph, wait till I they get back. Good to see you guys. Okay, this was a good talk. I can't believe we haven't brought up the the best Irish um, IRA film called Blown Bill Away. Connor. Blown I Away with uh, yeah. Tommy oh, Lee with, uh, Jones and, yeah, Jeff and Jeff Bridges. Yeah. The only That's, thing the only thing I remember about that movie about is that when they set off that gigantic explosion, uh, like m- many miles across Boston, there were shattered windows and scared yeah. children and dogs and stuff. But I I I don't remember much about that movie other than uh, unsatisfying accents. Forrest Whitaker's the headphones, both the Boston accents and the Irish. Yeah, no, yeah, Forrest Whitaker. Forrest Whitaker is better in the, uh, the Crying Blown Game. Blown away, yeah, Tommy Lee Jones. Yeah. Forrest Whitaker is great in the Crying yeah. Game. If you want another, all right, Ralph. We're talking about all kinds of movies. I want to know what you thought. All right, so <clears throat> I thought this came out. After the third man, I didn't know the chronological order, so I watched it, and I I was blown away by the cinematography. Like I couldn't, blown so away. that means I'm not watching the film. I couldn't, I couldn't, um, I didn't find uh, James Mason's performance to be that extraordinary. Uh, my favorite James Mason film is The Verdict with Paul Newman. I just oh, thought he was great as the 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 lawyer that Paul Newman went up against. And I, I just, like him as the vampire's assistant in Salem's Lot, the TV. That's, that's pretty good. He was a M for murder. Jeez. Yeah. So, so I watched it, and I'm like, okay, how good or bad is the third man? Everybody raves about the third man, because if this is an indication, then the third man is going to be. So it led me to watch the third man, which I'm glad I did, because I really – a enjoyed the third man and got really blown away by the cinematography in that one. And I want to shout out the guy, Robert Krasker, who was a cinematographer. So I know it's a combination of the two guys, the director and the cinematographer. They actually gave the director a level at the end of the shoot because he used so much <laughs> Dutch angle in the film. The crew was like, enough. We can't take this. I just, and, and I don't know if you guys noticed, but these two films are very similar. And and they have the the protagonist who's hardly in the film, you know. We we see James Mason in the other one. We hear about Harry Lyme in the Third Man, but they both have a woman who's in love with them, even though they're both criminals, and essentially both support the criminal at the end of the film. That ending of the Third Man, where she walks by Joseph Cotton, that goes on forever, two minutes, yeah. and it's amazing. 
And the yeah. fact that they wrestled with, I think the author wanted a happy ending, wanted a hug at the end. And the director said, no, let's just, somebody said, let's just have him, have her walk by and not even acknowledge the guy. Brilliant. And the cinematography, you know, I know I may, I know I talk about, I don't like black and white films, but I do love black and white films if they're done right. And these are both done right. Hey, you've come to our side. No, no, I'm, I'm saying in the context of these films, this, this, the, the snow footage, the footage of falling snow in the odd man out is just, it's mm-hmm. gorgeous. And the I've I've now collected a bunch of pictures from the third man. I just went and grabbed stills of the Ferris wheel and the that shot where Orson Welles is first introduced in the third man. I mean Yeah. I know everybody knows this, but it's the first right. time I've ever seen it. So to me right. it was like, oh my God. Um and I just thought the same guy did the third man that did that first one, and the answer was yeah. He did, and they're both very similar. They have yeah. a, a similar tone, similar look, similar Post World War Two. Yeah. It's yeah. you know war torn Ireland, and it's Vienna after the war, and all the four provinces or whatever. Uh, so I'm glad I saw it because it led me to the Third Man. I didn't really enjoy Odd Man Out except for the cinematography. I thought just amazing, and even better in the Third Man. So it led me to the Third Man, which I. I can see why you would want to collect it, save the DVD. I guess it's hard to get. Can't even find it now. Right. The Criterion uh, Blu-ray of or Blu-ray of The Third Man. What um, about the Laserdisc? I don't have it. I'll have to look for that. But might, if you go to I Criterion, it, Criterion has all kinds of stories and, and documentaries about The Third Man. Yeah. So uh, I didn't enjoy Odd Man Out. I didn't, I didn't know why, like I said, all the raving about James Mason's acting, it didn't impress me at all. The story was slow. That scene where he's in the little cutout or the bunker, whatever that is, and he's having the flashbacks and the little girl with the one roller skate, you know, some interesting ideas were done, but I just felt like it didn't, it didn't. Ex- so he went from that to the third man. I thought it was the other way around. That's why I wanted to watch it. I didn't realize that Third Man came. And it just shows how much they, they improved. I mean, you know, probably a better story, but in general, just a much, well, much better Well, that obviously film. impacted your view of Odd Man Out when you watch the Third Man right after it. And when you compare the two side by side, I mean, you know, one it's night and day, really. It is night and day, but it also, yeah. again, I just made me appreciate the cinematography. Just the yeah. stuff that they were doing in both those films is just gorgeous. And, you know, I know, I know there has to be a story there, which is why the third man is way better from, from that standpoint. And I don't think Orson Welles is like, I mean, I get why he was so important in that film because of where he was at the time. But, you know, that, that isn't what made that film so good. What made that film is the woman is great. That woman playing his girlfriend is fantastic. And all you talk about weird characters and odd man out. There's so many weird characters. Trevor Howard is great as the British cop. Um, I read the guy, the guy who was playing the 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 um, the partner of the cop. I forget what I read. He was in. He was in something that we all know. I can't remember, but um, I just I'm, I can't think of the Jack Hawkins. Isn't that who played the partner? I don't think Anyways. so. I don't know. Anyway, I could be wrong, but I'm glad I saw it because it led me to the Third Man, which I just 
kind of was blown away by the the directing and the cinematography of that one. It just all right. We're watching the Third Man tonight. Debbie, You've have not you ever seen, seen the Third it? Man, Debbie? No. Oh, Sean, you've seen but it. Because of this movie, we will watch it. I've seen it in bits and pieces. I've never watched it all the way through. Oh, treat yourselves. You know, it's funny about remakes. You know, you wonder why somebody make remakes a movie. So, would you say the Third Man um, is a remake? No, no, but the th- it's just it I like think a- thematically the themes are the same. Yeah, the themes are the same. They're both well, both the lead is the the person everybody's talking about in the film are both criminals, both murderers. I mean, Harry Lyme killed babies by the penicillin stuff that he yeah, was. Yeah, but one 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 did it accidentally one uh, 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 Orson Welles character is a bad guy I mean he's a bad guy right well the other right. guy went he's to jail for something no maybe he right. was railroaded but well, I mean right but but they're not the same character so so okay. it is different that way they're both and, criminals and, in the film right. I mean essentially but they are, are, they are, are bad guys that you root for because uh, the way Wells plays it with kind of a wink in his eye and I disagree with Ralph. I think I think Orson Welles was part of the reason why this movie was so good because you're building up, building up this character that you don't see, and then it's finally Orson Welles, and that speech he gives on the Ferris wheel is freaking brilliant. Well, he, he wrote that himself. That's his well, speech. Well, that's the rumor that they say. I don't know if it's true or no, not. All I'm, I'm not. I'm just saying. I understand why this movie had. And Joseph him in Cotton it. was great too, by yeah, the way. Yeah. We don't talk about him, but he was. And that's great. a Mercury player. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Polly Martin. Now I will say, Sean and Debbie, if you so if you rumor, watch, John? what's the rumor that that no, not only did he write that? Uh, there's one particular monologue he gives on a Ferris wheel that is just brilliant. Uh, it was said that he wrote it, but a lot of people also said that he co-directed the picture because some of the stuff definitely has that Orson Welles feel. But Orson <laughs> Welles himself said that Carol Reed directed it. That he he did, had nothing. I, I, to do I do with have it. a question about the um, uh, Debbie and Sean. Put your earmuffs on. You should, because oh, uh, oh, yeah. at the end when you hear the gunshot, right? Yeah, we never see, we never see him die. No, but he dies. Mm-hmm. Oh, Although sure? they did, they did a uh, radio series yes. um, about Harry Lyme, yeah. and Orson Welles played Harry Lyme. But in the film, yeah, it happened. Hmm. It's not a trick or anything. So, okay. Yeah. Now, Sean and Debbie, after you watch uh, the Third Man. Uh, which is you know, obviously an all-time classic. I would recommend that you watch The Fourth Man, which is a Paul Verhoeven film from the <laughs> 80s about a man who um, gets involved with a woman who can see the future. It's truly okay. one of the most classic Paul Hoven crazy things our, ever. So. Oh, oh, yeah, you oh, can yeah, turn you it back on. Oh, yeah, okay. you can unmute. Yeah. Drew was saying you guys need <laughs> I was to recommending, <laughs> I was recommending a movie to you guys. You were still oh, protecting yourself from spoilers. We're muted. It's The Fourth Man by Paul Verhoeven. You can watch it after The Third Man. It's <laughs> then watch Five Paul Fingers. It's Rutger Hauer in that one? Is that the Rutger Hauer? No, yeah, it's I Jerome, it it's uh, Jerome Crabb, who's the villain. It turns out to be the villain in The Fugitive, that actor, who's a... Oh, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And right from the very first scene with like, you know, doors where the peepholes turn into bleeding eyeballs and stuff. It's, it's fantastic. Yeah. That's, that's a movie great. strange show. That's a movie strange movie. <laughs> All so right. So let's rate. Uh, exactly. okay, go ahead. Deb, go ahead what'd you Debbie. say? So we got the third man and the fourth man. Right. right. Yep. And the ninth and the configuration. Awesome You'll get there. And the five fingers. 
Wow, that's a lot of. All right, let's uh, let's rate this film, sense. John. John, what's your rating? I give it. A, I give it a Kaye. It was interesting to watch it. I enjoyed it. Chris, I think I know Chris. Oh yeah, I give it a Kaye as well. I mean, and you had never seen it, so yeah, good. I'd never like seen that. it. Sean and Debbie. I'm gonna say uh, Yippee Kaye. Yippee Kaye. Now, Debbie, is that based on James Mason or just the movie in general? I have to say the movie in general because it was just the man. I don't you know. like James Mason. I don't like his accent. See, no, and I my, don't. That was like, my James Mason. What I want is a job. job. I want a job. And not and just drama. drama. I Com- could, do comedy, too. Comedy, too. I mean, it's just that James Mason, it just. He, his role is just that one. Well, now I've got to try and give James Mason a second shot, give him a job, because he can't be all that bad. I mean, he was like he's James like Mason. James Mason. We'll watch Salem's but Lot. But I don't like weak men. I don't like weak men. When I see a weak I man, I, I just I'm repulsed. Not by a Mandingo. That's <laughs> Jesus. Did you ever uh, see Dial M for Murder? Yes. I mean, he's he's badass in that movie. All right, Drew, what's your rating? Oh, yippee I mean, uh, I'd never seen it. I'm glad I saw it. It's a classic. Um, my cat uh, gives it one tail up as well. <laughs> and, um, I, don't, I don't think it's a movie that I would revisit uh, anytime soon, but I will say it's made me want to revisit a number of other movies set in the same era and see other ones. Like, I have not seen uh, Belfast, and that's supposed to be a fine, uh, a fine black film and white. by Kenneth Branagh. So. It's in black and white, too. We go again, pushing the black um, and white. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say Yippie Kaye because it led me to the Third Man. I mean, I like the Third Man way better, but they're both beautiful. The cinematography, I just can't rave enough about it. The guy won; he won an Oscar for the Third Man, and, and well deserved. That one shot where Orson sticks his into the light is just out and, of the and shadow, the, and the shots the down the sewer, yeah, underneath Vienna, just. And those were Kara Reed's hands at the end through the grate. Right. They weren't Orson Welles. Yeah. I would say this. If, you, if you're if you curious in Kara Reed in this genre of movie and you've got a choice between the two, I think we'd all agree it's the third man you want to watch. So, Absolutely. Okay, I'm going take- to change my uh, vote from Yippia Kaye Nay to Meh. Maybe I'll change Okay. All right. Look okay. at that. We talked we'll you out. All shot. right, Deb. Nice. All right. So let's uh, spin the wheel for the next the Wheel of Fun. Next one. The Wheel of Fun. All right. Is everyone going to be on next week? I think I so. Am. Okay. Yes, that's All right. So we dump that guy. Oh, here we go. We only got three ready? left. Oh, my Let's God. Let's see if I so – I'll predict exciting. this one. I'm going to predict it. Here we Where go. going to win? Sean. I think it's going to be Drew. Let's see. I think it's going to be Sean. Oh. oh. Sean. Nice. Oh. Good call. Good call. All right, so Sean, remember, bring a film you have not seen or barely seen, okay? I would go with the not seen. Yeah, yeah. I think, yeah. Not well, there was that one well, film barely I seen. I mean, you guys before. Well, like he admitted they he's only seen. at our pool while we were away, and people were telling me how much they loved it. Loved what? Loved what? But I'm not. Loved you know, what? it was a movie from the 80s aimed at kids. Which film? Yes. The, oh, Goonies. the Goonies. Oh, the Goonies. Goonies. Yeah. Well, here's okay. the thing. I'm not, I'm not committing to it. But, I've never uh, seen the Goonies. <gasps> oh, I know. Movie. What? It is. I've well, never seen it. Here's what I like about the Goonies is 
when Ralph and I start, started talking about this podcast, because we were talking to producers who were younger than us, who have never seen like Jaws or Taxi Driver, but one film when I would talk to the producers that they had all seen and all said was an, a great influence on them to get into business was The Goonies. You know, so, um, but I was even talking to someone who loved the film, who wore his VHS out of it, and he said, I don't know if you'll like it being an adult seeing it for the first time. Yeah, I mean, well, it is. It's definitely a kid movie. But hey, Stranger, it's got, Stranger Things is, is the Goonies with some supernatural stuff, and adults watch that. So I'll, I'll, I'll come up with something in a day or two. Okay. I'll tell you what, the Goonies is a Spitfire grill for sure. Well, it can't oh my be because I've never not. I don't. Debbie, oh, I don't. Is this a novel? He's I don't think book. so. My God. <laughs> Look at and it's well read too. <laughs> uh, yeah, I actually found this. I finally found one online that wasn't wasn't eighty dollars. So I picked it up wow. for like. I mean, don't get me wrong. I still paid like fifteen bucks for it. But uh, what's the original price on the book? Oh gosh, it's like uh, six ninety five. Dollar no, twenty five. Um, Two dollars and ninety five cents United States. Three seventy five nice. in Canada. Wow. Nice. There you go. And before we go, just a reminder, uh, subscribe, uh, hit the notification button, and if you like what you're hearing, please smash the like button. It really does make a difference, and we always thank you guys for watching. Always. All 15 of you. No, no. We've been averaging 62 hits what? on some movies, although one has 84,000. Young Frankenstein. <laughs> Young Frankenstein. And you're only we could monitor. Or, uh, no accounting for taste. To us. And everyone is viciously angry. I know. Well, they all say Drew should like this movie. I mean, all those comments about Drew are just awful. I feel bad. <laughs> talking about it, it's, I saw one comment where somebody was literally like, you shouldn't be allowed to put this on, on YouTube. They should take you off. You know, if you're talking, you're pretending to show a movie and you're just talking about it. And I was like, do you know how movies work? It's like, right. you can't just it's show so a movie on YouTube. It's funny because I just went through today and changed uh, all the ones we're getting a lot of hits on. I put review and retrospective. So, so Young Frankenstein. That, well, uh, we still get hits. They just won't comment nasty stuff anymore. Well, no, nothing. All publicity is good publicity. That's, what, that's right. Exactly. And we always uh, respond. Every yep. comment we do respond to, by the way. Somebody does. I do. All right, everybody. Have a good week. Sean, if it's not the Goonies, let us know what it, it'll be, okay? Okay. All right. And, Sean, thanks again for uh, sending me that book. I really enjoyed it. So, well, What's the name of that book again? The book is called The Promise or The Pros and Cons of Talking with God. Oh. Yeah. And you know it's sold because look at that cover. Look Who at that. wouldn't buy a book Look at with that. my face on it? Who would not? Who would you buy a car from this man? Let alone a book. I mean, come on. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Bold. Thank Bold. you, John, so very much for your kind words. Please, yes. I enjoyed it. If I didn't enjoy it, I'd tell you. I'm telling you that right now. I would have told you. Nobody's watching at this point anyway. But it was a good, good uh, run. No, no, so. the stuff you're doing at the end now. You're always you guys don't even the watch the end video. because I put something we, at the end. That time that, since, look, we were in Bermuda. What? Debbie watches this from beginning to end, and she never hits the like button. And she never hits the like button. I just don't get it. We got responsibilities, you know. Yep, we all do. All right, everybody, have a good week. You and, have a good uh, week, Ralph. See you Everybody next week have a great week. Film. Okay? See you guys. Yeah.